Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Have you heard of the Muslim terrorist group called Boko Haram? That name literally means no to Western education. They operate particularly in Nigeria, and they want to take Nigeria back to the 12th century feudal Islam and Sharia law that they think should be imposed on everyone. And they are killing Christians and even Muslims who disagree with them. This all came out on a Capitol Hill testimony or Capitol Hill uh, uh, hearing from a few weeks ago. And they talked about what happened back on June 19th, where a hundred gunmen attacked a government school, abducted 70 students. And this has been going on for quite a while. In fact, since 2015, More than 2,000 churches have been destroyed, and the country has witnessed a a mass exodus of about 4 to 5 million Christians because there's a civil war going on in Nigeria, and this group, Boko Haram, has been spreading terror all over the nation, well, particularly more in the north and the middle of Nigeria. And I bring that up to you Because we're going to talk today on this program about religious freedom. What does it mean to have religious freedom? Is there a difference between freedom of religion and freedom of worship? What's the status of religious freedom around the world? What are we doing to fight the kind of radical Islam like Boko Haram is promoting? And what are some of the conflicts between religious rights and so-called gay rights even here in America? What is our government doing about it here and abroad? And what can you do about it? And in order to do this today... We're going to go inside the United States State Department to find out. Buckle up. We have a great guest with us. My guest today is Pam Pryor. Before I introduce Pam, do you guys remember just before the 2016 election? I I did it. Well, you're not going to remember four or five years ago. But anyway, I was talking about when you're electing a president, you're not just electing a person. What you're really electing is a platform and policies when you elect the person at the top and you're also electing 5,000 people that come to Washington as part of the president's administration. Pam Pryor is one of the people that came to Washington as a result of Trump winning the presidency in 2016. And she served as director of faith outreach for the 2016 Trump campaign. That's how I met her. She worked on the transition and then she landed at the State Department as a senior advisor and representative from state to the White House faith-based office. She later served as assistant secretary for international organizations in the State Department until January of this year when the transition took place between administrations. Prior to her work with, with, uh, with President Trump, she worked as uh, in the nonprofit sector. She's a Gallup-certified strengths finders coach. She once served as chief of staff to Republican Congressman J.C. Watts. He was the leader of the House Republican Conference. As you may, have remember, you may remember, J.C. Watts, he was from Oklahoma. 
and she currently lives in Arlington, Virginia. She is a great lady, one of the great people that came to Washington in 2016. Pam, how are you? I'm good. I, hey, back at you, Frank. You know, uh, I hope it won't be boring if we have a mutual admiration society, but I remember in 2016, uh, you came to Trump Tower. We had do you remember that meeting? We had theologians and apologists. And, yeah. And, and so my friends that aren't in the faith movement and don't understand our verna- vernacular, they were going, why are we having people come to apologize for Trump already? <laughs> it's like, no, no, that's not what they do, you know. Um, well, we but, needed to do some of that, yeah. actually. In fact, that's why that meeting took place, because we were Christian leaders who <laughs> were skeptical of Trump sure, quite, for, sure. for obvious reasons. And that was the purpose of the meeting. Yeah. Like, why should we support this? Yeah. This guy, and what I just said is the really, really the reason that I wound up voting for Trump was because I knew the policies Trump would bring to the office and people like you he would bring to Washington were the direction that I thought was was better for the country than the other side. Frank, do you remember remember that you brought up the bathroom issue? Oh, yeah. Because it was Mm -hmm. in North Carolina at that time. That's right. And, you know, um, the thing about President Trump, he was a great listener. And I, I, remember, I don't know if you remember that, but he was like on his shoulder, on his hand, listening. Oh, right yeah. now, now, wait a minute. What if these guys have had the surgery? You know, do we care? Oh, yeah. I mean, he he asked what people that are immersed in a subject would say. Oh, there were such naive questions. But he knew every man, every woman. He knew the, the regular questions. And then one other thing that I just want to add before we get started, Frank, I loved what you said about the number of people that come to an administration. Um, I had the privilege of working first under Rex Tillerson, but then under Mike Pompeo, which was just a, a real change. And, and, I, and I adore him. I adore Mike Pompeo. Mm-hmm. And um, he would say, Donald Trump is no Sunday school teacher, but he sure likes to hire them. And so there were like Sunday school <laughs> teachers all over the government and many, many people of faith served. And um, it was actually a little distressing to me when some in the evangelical left would say, well, we just got to get rid of him. You know, we don't like his tweets or whatever. And mm-hmm. I would say, but that means you're getting rid of people like Mike Pompeo and Sam Brownback, Ambassador Sam, Sam Brownback, Brownback, who, who yes. led the religious freedom. John Richmond. John Richmond's a great man of God who led our anti-trafficking work. Morse Tan. Mm-hmm. Morse Tan is a Northwestern University law professor who headed up our work on global criminal justice, deciding what things should be genocides, crimes against humanity, much like what you were talking about in Nigeria with what's going on there. So we, we had a great team and Lord willing, we'll get to serve again and we'll see. Yes. And I, and I think people don't realize that they they look at the person at the top and if they don't like mm-hmm. him personally, and yeah. I understand why people were put off by Trump. There's no question about it. You know, he had an abrasive personality. What they don't understand is when you are voting mm-hmm. For the president, you're not just voting for him. Mm-hmm. You are voting for a complete right. platform, and at least five thousand people they're going to wind up coming to Washington and work in the government somehow. You're one mm-hmm. of those people that yeah. came, yeah. and the policy direction is more important than the personality. You're voting mm-hmm. for policy. Now, I would love to have somebody that had both. You know, that everyone right, had right. a magnetic personality that everyone right. would, would would get behind. I get that. But if you have to vote for policy or personality, go with policy because policy is why the government, why you put somebody in government. You put mm-hmm. them in government to take the country in the proper direction. Mm-hmm. Now, Pam, you were the acting assistant secretary for 
international organizations within the State Department. What does that mean? Yeah. What did you do? Well, it's, it's so ironic, Frank. Um, mostly when I came to the State Department, I was a bridesmaid. I was somebody till somebody got there, you know, so I was Sam Brownback okay. till he got there. I was, I was in um, a trafficking until he got there. I was in the undersecretary's office that oversaw all of those. But the last year, President Trump and Mike Pompeo um, actually uh, appointed me to be the acting assistant secretary for international organizations. That's all the multilateral organizations, the UN, um, mm -hmm. the Human Rights Commission. Here's one for you, the WHO was under me. Really? Yeah. And so that all started- The World started, Health Organization was, un, was under you. Right. And that all okay. started in 2020. And, you know, we did not realize that one day we would wake up and be in a, um, in a global pandemic. So hmm. it's really interesting. Multilateral organization work is hard, Frank, because we are at the table with all of the globalists and the elites uh, and bringing the United States point of view, especially- in a, a more conservative administration is always a challenge, but it was great fun. I met wonderful people. Um, I talked about Jesus and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes the career people would like go, uh, can you do that? You know? And I wasn't, I mean, I really relied <laughs> on the Holy spirit, but I had a Bible on my desk. And, um, I remember one time I was in the religious freedom office and one of the uh, young staffers came in and said, I don't think you can have a Bible on your desk. I said, Oh, wait a minute. Let, hold on. So I ran outside and I checked. And above the door, it said, Office of International Religious Freedom. So I came back in oh. and I said, you know what? We work for International Religious Freedom. And I think that's what this means, you know. So, yes, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking so to Pam Pryor. Hang on, Pam. We're, we're coming to a hard break. We're going to come back with Pam Pryor, who was, within, was in the State Department way high up. We're talking about religious freedom. Don't go anywhere. We got a lot more with Pam. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. My guest today is Pam Pryor, who was the Acting Assistant Secretary for International Organizations within the State Department. And we just learned before the break she was over the World Health Organization. <laughs> who? The people that uh, have gotten to a little bit of hot water over the COVID situation. Uh, Pam, before we go back to religious freedom, you got to tell me. What's your take on, on, on the COVID virus and who and all that? Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've never been to China. Obviously, they didn't, wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't let the WHO uh -huh. in. They finally let really? a team in and they were very guarded. All we said is we want to go and see the Wuhan lab. We want to see what's going on in the lab. I mean, Frank, with the right kind of viral isolates, with the right kind of examination early on, we could have maybe staunched this thing. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of this is at the feet of, of China. And, you know, I'm, I, I want to hasten to add every time, because in this program, we're going to talk about some bad actors, whether it's Nigeria or China or Iran or North Korea. And both President Trump and Secretary Pompeo were always quick to say, we love their people. We just, we don't like their government. We don't mm -hmm. like governments that are despotic, that are communistic that trample people's rights. And the WHO, I mean, China could have been helpful. And the WHO was complicit with them. I think it's interesting. We kept pushing for a lab, for a, a, an investigation at the lab. And the current administration even flip-flopped on that at first. Oh, no, no, it came from a wet market. It came from a bat. 
this thing is too much of a Frankenstein. And Secretary Pompeo would say that too. These things don't naturally occur. This is a, in our opinion, this thing happened in a lab. And I'm not saying that they put, you know, purposefully released it. But I think, again, let us in to examine it. And then we can put it all, you know what? Oh boy, now I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail. Rabbit. Um, it's the huh? same thing with the election results, Frank. Let's examine them. If, sure. if yeah. there's no problem, then we'll go, okay. But you can't right. have this inconsistency and uncertainty out there. And especially when we're talking about millions of people dying because of a pandemic, we should be allowed to mm. be in there to examine this. Isn't it interesting too, Pam, that many diseases are named for, from their origin. For example, <laughs> the Ebola virus is, is about a river from the region from which the virus came. Lyme's disease comes from Lyme's Connecticut. You can name the Ebola virus or Lyme's disease, but for some reason you can't call this the Wuhan or China virus. Why yeah. is that, Pam? Well, you know, look, Frank, we said at the top of the show, I, I can't explain it, but there was such a there really is such a thing as a Trump derangement syndrome. And I think anything mm. that our administration did um, because of the complicit mainstream media, um, they were going to hate it. But it, but it was a China virus. That's where it originated. It mm-hmm, much like the mm-hmm. Spanish flu. And we love people from Spain. We love people right. from China. We're just saying that mm-hmm. was the origin of it. But mm. I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are unexplainable right now. Well, speaking of religious freedom, there's not much over there in China. Let's go back to that question about religious freedom, because that's really where you worked within the State Department. You're working Mm -hmm. on ensuring that people had religious freedom around the world. So what is the Mm -hmm. estimate, would you say, of the world's populations, Pam, that live with some sort of religious persecution? This is this is staggering. It's like 83 percent. I mean, billions of people, Frank, that experience some type of religious uh, persecution. And the Religious Freedom Act, which was started in Congress by Frank Wolf um, back about now 21, 21, 22 years ago, sadly, religious persecution has increased. And part of this Mm. is because of the, excuse me, the despotic governments that there are, the terrorism. Um, You know, we saw this at 9-11. There is a sect of of Islam that are jihadists mm-hmm. that want to kill mm-hmm. everybody that doesn't believe what they say. Um, it's, it's, there are some writings to that effect in some of their sure. writings. Surah 8 and Surah 9, it's <clears throat> in the Quran. Yeah. And so it, it is a real conflict. But here's what's interesting, Frank. Where there is religious freedom, all kinds of things flow from that. Regardless, regardless of the faith things that, of course, are meaningful to us, you also get good economy. You get better mm. treatment of women and children. You get better living conditions. All of this flows because, as you and I know, the grand hand of God, his design was for worship. And when you allow people to worship, the world is a better place. Now, we, because we live in a multicultural world, we advocate for religious freedom for all. In fact, Sam Brownback would say, we want religious freedom for all people, all the time, everywhere. Now, that may mean I don't agree. I'm, I'm, I am a Christ follower. I will always be a Christ follower. But that doesn't mean that I don't want my Jewish brother or sister to be able to worship as they want, mm-hmm. or a Sikh, mm-hmm. or a Hindu, or even a person with no faith, to be able to have no faith. Because there are places in in the world, 
um, sometimes the Wahhabi part of Saudi Arabia, some of those laws, the apostasy laws in Pakistan. If you can't say you even in a joke, you can't make a joke about Allah. And th those things are punishable by death. We think that's extreme. And so we believe that when you have an open, pluralistic religious society, better things happen for people. It was why our founders, Frank, came to this country, um, despite how we want to whitewash pilgrims. There was a religious freedom element there, and mm. they wanted to worship as they wanted. And we still have the Church of England in this country. And we also have First Baptist and Fourth Presbyterian and Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. So we have lots of places that have come right. out of that. And by the way, friends, uh, we're talking to Pam Pryor, who worked in the State Department on religious freedom issues. This is one reason among many that Christians have to be politically engaged mm. because the, the rights that we have to engage in our faith not just worship, but our ability to live out our faith is partially determined by the laws that are made politically. I mean, just look at the difference between North Korea and South Korea, friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you rather live in North Korea or South Korea? Yeah. Obviously, South Korea. Why? Because they have political and religious freedom. You don't have that in mm -hmm. North Korea. So the laws that are made in your government are important to your religious life. Amen. If for no other reason you ought to be involved politically, that's one of the reasons you ought mm -hmm. to be involved. And that's why I appreciate people like Pam Pryor who get into the trenches in the government to try and support religious freedom around the world. Now, Pam, you said 83% of people out there are uh, oppressed in some way religiously. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have the kind of religious freedom that we might have here in America. Right. What are some of the countries w that we ought to pay attention yeah. to I'm gonna, with regard to this problem? Well, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me just go with like Pakistan. Um, Secretary Pompeo designated Pakistan a country of particular concern in 2019. Mm -hmm. And this is because um, they were imprisoning people uh, you know, they were saying if you denounced um, Islam and became a believer, became a, a Christ follower, you could be killed. And, and not everywhere in Pakistan, Frank, but if it's allowed mm -hmm. anywhere, it's a sin everywhere. So it, right. it can creep in. Um, Nigeria, which you mentioned at the top of the show, I would direct um, our, our viewers and listeners to an article in the Epic Times just recently by Bob Destro. Bob was one of my fellow colleagues, Assistant Secretary for Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor. Bob has been on his high hobby horse saying, we've got to get into Nigeria and look at what's going on. But see, Frank, here's the difference. The State Department at first said, well, this is just between herdsmen and tribal leaders. This isn't about um, this isn't about religion. It is about religion. It is about faith. It's what you said about the people being killed just because they were Christians. I also think that um, you mentioned North Korea. You mentioned China. There's more persecution in China. We know of at least one million Uyghurs, which is a type of Muslim. In fact, it was funny, Frank. I was uh, so naive when I went to the State Department. I mean, I grew up in Protestantism. There's like 34 kinds of, you know, Presbyterians, Lutherans, mm -hmm. Baptists. I had no idea. There's tons of denominations of Muslims, too. Oh, there but are. Yeah, Uyghurs absolutely. are a type of Muslim. And these people are being sent 
in, in a remote part of China um, to concentration camps, to re-education camps. They're being forced into labor. And we had to jump up and down for a long time. It's now become uh, common knowledge and people are embracing it. But it was hard for us to get people to notice this. But besides Uyghurs, Christians are still persecuted in China. And Frank, there's probably more Christians in China than there are in the U.S. Praise God mm, for that. Mm. The underground church Pam, wh- is so alive. Wh- what can the State Department do about these issues? Or what are you doing? Or what were you doing? I don't know what's going on in there yeah, now. Yeah, let's go with what, but- what, we're, what can we do. When we were there, mm-hmm. there were 50, at least 50 full-time people who worked on international religious freedom. And under mm. uh, Trump and Pompeo, Frank, we had a lot of firsts. Um, for example, we did two religious freedom summits at the ministerial level. This is where we invited the secretaries of state of other countries to come and mm. talk about. We made religious freedom a foreign policy priority. It hasn't always been that way. There's a book by a man named Doug Johnston who talked about religious freedom as statecraft. And it was actually inculcating religious freedom into foreign policy objectives. Because if you go into a country like Nigeria and said, oh, well, this has nothing to do with religious freedom, then you're going to uh, do it as herdsmen and and uh, other kinds of people, you know, as a, a tribal conflict. But mm-hmm. when you really li- realize that it is religious freedom at the base of it, then you bring different people. You bring the clerics to the peace table. You have them participating. You have people in the community, and it, it creates better outcomes. So um, th- I think the other thing that was so remarkable about what we did, we also, by the way, the State Department releases a religious freedom report every year, and they, they just released another one. Most of that was done on our watch. We're always a year behind when they come out. But you can go on the State Department website and find those. And they rank countries. And then they have like countries of particular concern. We had a good story. Um, Uzbekistan had been a country of particular concern. Sam Brownback went over, met with the prime minister, met with the foreign ministers, mm-hmm. and they talked about ways they could get off that list. And once you get off that list, economy flows better. People are more willing. So there's a lot of good reasons to do things. Um, let's go to a country like Turkey, Frank. Um, you know, our mm. good friend, I just happen to have it here in my office, um, our good friend, Andrew Brunson, who oh, yeah. was held hostage there. Well, they said it was because political. He was looking to overthrow Erdogan. That's not true. That's not true. Well, let's pick up Pastor Brunson after the break, Pam, because okay. that is a very interesting story. Oh, it's going one on of my favorites. And we'll have... We'll have much more about religious freedom and what you can do about it, what we can do about what our, about it, what our government is doing about it right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamined.org. Crossexamined with a D on the end of it, .org. Back in two with Pam Pryor. Got another online course coming up, friends. Stealing from God, why atheists need God to make their case. It begins August 2nd. If you're part of the premium version of the course, you'll be online with me on several occasions for live Zooms Q&A. Live Zoom Q&As, I should say. And uh, just go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. You'll see it there. I think we're going to have an early bird special that starts on Monday, July 4th. You want to be a part of the course, sign up soon because we fill it up and then... Uh, you can't join anymore because we want to have a limited number of people in the Zoom so we can interact with one another. So it's stealing from God why atheists need God to make their case. 
Check that out beginning August 2nd. My guest today, Pam Pryor, was way up the food chain there in the State Department. And by the way, Pam, before we get to uh, Pastor Brunson, who, as you say, was held against his will in Turkey for quite a while, um, tell us a little bit about Sam Brownback and the position that President Trump put him in. I think that was the first time a religious freedom position was created at that level within the State Department. Is that right? Well, it was the first time someone of Sam's level was in that. His position, Frank, was actually mandated by the Religious Freedom Act in Congress that Frank Wolf did. Um, Wasn't always filled, but there has been um, lots of of good people. But um, Sam, I I love talking about Sam. Sam was governor, senator, congressman, Mm -hmm. Um, Kansas agriculture head in Kansas, Mm -hmm. you know, so to elevate that ambassadorship, because it's an ambassador at large, which means you don't have a country also means you don't have a house or a car and driver. But uh, (laughs) it it means that he was really the face of religious freedom in the world. Now, what was good about having someone at his level is, first off, countries respect the U.S. And when we send Mm -hmm. diplomats over. But when you send a diplomat over who has been a governor and a senator, it really catches the attention of people. So Sam was able to really do a lot of good. And Sam, by the way, I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but um, Sam was the driving force in this year's Religious Freedom Summit that's going to really be handled by um, NGOs, the non-governmental organization, civil society. Mm -hmm. Sam thought, just because we're out of power, that doesn't mean we still can't influence the world. So it was really his idea to, to keep going with that. And as you said, one of my favorite people in the world, Andrew Brunson, is going to be there. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what that event is here in just a few minutes. But tell us what happened to Andrew Brunson. I happened to meet him here in Charlotte six, eight months ago. Uh, What happened to him in Turkey? Yeah, he's he's just such a great guy. Here's what people don't understand. He and his wife, Noreen, had been missionaries in Turkey for 20 some years, had had an uh, evangelical congregation there. And when Erdogan came in, um, as is true with a lot of uh, people that amass power incorrectly and are worried about their power, he started clamping down. You remember there was that little insurrection um, yes. and they, they stifled that. Well, they tried to say that Andrew was part of that. It's not true. <clears throat> it wasn't even anywhere near it, but they came and rounded him up, rounded him up, uh, brought him in, set him free, brought him back, imprisoned him, uh, sort of a kangaroo court, uh, said that he was guilty of overthrowing the government. But he knew, as we all did, it was really because of his faith and what Mm. was going on. So he was in jail um, almost two and a half years, went in in 16. And the thing that I really loved about the Trump administration is we don't leave Americans in jail. We went after them. In fact, early on, can you all remember one of, it's still in my mind, the three North Koreans that yes. Trump and Pompeo brought back in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. 3 a.m., they went to Andrews. And Pompeo tells a great story. They were Christians, and they wrote him a verse on a card that he's kept and how thrilled they were to be back on American soil. Well, Andrew Brunson happened to fall into that pack, and um, the Obama administration did nothing to get him out. And so we took it up as a cause celeb. And really, it was also, Frank, I will tell you, it was the American church, too. 
there was more prayer for Andrew Brunson. Um, in fact, mm. a lot of times when I talk about him, they'll go, well, who's that? And I said, well, do you remember praying for that pastor to boot? Oh, yes. There was tons of prayer. And the American, American church really got his um, cause going. Vice President Pence knew about it, talked about it. And so in our religious freedom, the first one we did in 2018, we had his daughter speak. And she was pretty hard-boiled. She had watched her dad suffer. And so she was going to speak. And I was, I was introducing her. And I said to her, I said, Jacqueline, um, the one thing I would love to do is sometime, hopefully before this administration is over, is be able to be at Andrews and see your dad's feet touch American soil. So she got up to speak, Frank, and um, she was talking about, she had just recently gotten married, and she said, we had a civil service, and she said, I happen to be a believer, I believe in the sanctity of marriage, but we had a civil service because I wanted my dad to marry me. She starts sobbing. The entire room starts crying. And here was this kind of hard-edged girl who had, you know what it is when you're under a lot of emotional duress, you don't want to go there. And she cried. We're all crying. So she said, you know, I, my dad needs to come back. She had testified in Congress on her father. That night, Erdogan put him on house arrest. And I think it was definitely in reaction. He saw what was happening. So the next day at the Religious Freedom Summit, Mike Pence was speaking. And he looked right in the camera and pointed his finger. And he said, President Erdogan, not good enough. House arrest means still he's under arrest. We want our American citizen back. And mm. that was in July. And I believe it was October 13th. It's in his book, God's Hostage. We got word that he was going to be released. Mm. And I got to go to Andrews Air Force Base. And mm. uh, we stayed back, those of us who were not part of his family. His family goes out on the tarmac and down the um, steps off of a plane emblazoned with the United States seal. And there is nothing like seeing one of those. You saw him, Frank, when you were here mm -hmm. in the military. And Andrew Brunson um, stepped off the plane. Oh, and um, he had one son who he had not seen in a long time. And it was such a great picture of God. He just wrapped his son in his arms. And then his other kids. And uh, we gave them just a moment. And then I rode back in a, a SUV convoy. And he, we had guns drawn. Because we didn't know, you know, what this was going to do. Because he had mm -hmm. become such a celebrity. And, uh, oh, man, when you're in a, an SUV convoy, you, you I, I don't know, they drive this far apart from each other at 60 miles an hour. And I was like, <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> but I thought I knew they wouldn't want to kill us because we'd worked so hard to get Frank uh, or to get uh, Andrew out of there, Frank, that I knew that we would get there safely. But didn't he then meet with the president? Yeah. As well so then camera? we go in the we go into the Oval Office. And Noreen and Andrew are there. And it was just it was an amazing time. And Andrew says, can I pray for you? And he gets on his knees before Trump and puts his hands on him and prays. And then Noreen prayed. And I mean, they talked and talked and talked. Um, it was really something. And Trump asked Noreen if she voted for him with her foreign <laughs> ballot. She said, as a matter of fact, I did. And she said, and that's why I want to pray for you. So it, 
it was just an amazing time. And uh, Andrew has gone on, like I said, written the book called God's Hostage. He will be joining us at the Religious Freedom Summit, July 13th. Yeah, tell us about this summit, Pam, because here's one way that people can learn more about this and maybe even do something about it. You've pulled together people from all over the world, from all different faiths, uh, to come to Washington, D.C. here in July. Tell us a little bit about that and who's speaking and and, and what are people going to get out of it? Do you know we're even going to have a video that's sent to us by the Dalai Lama? Now, really? This is not Everybody's a guy that, involved. Yeah, he doesn't even right. speak that much, right? Uh-huh, so right. Cardinal Dolan out of New York. I mean, it, it's a it's a who's who. And here's how people can find out about it, Frank. If you mm-hmm. go to www.earthsummit, I-R-F is in Frank Turek, I-R-F <laughs> summit.com, dot com. Mm-hmm. It's not an org or a .gov because it's being done on the outside by civil society. Right. July 13th to 15th in person at the Omni Shoreham here in Washington, D.C. There's still time to sign up. You can still come. Um, even um, I, I know this is going to be airing uh, a little bit closer to the time and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can still come. And uh, there it's it starts on the 13th and it is multi faith. And it's really a who's who of all kinds of faith people that are going to be there. Um, I noticed you even have an imam who obviously yes. is a moderate Muslim, yeah. well, does not yeah. agree. In fact, as we mentioned at the top of the program, that the Boko Haram people are out there in Nigeria are not just killing Christians, they're killing Muslims who don't agree with them. Yeah. So, I doubt they will be at the Religious Freedom Summit. I don't think there'll no, be they're any not Boko Haram be, people there. <laughs> that's right. There are some Muslims who will be, who are yes. more moderate in their viewpoint, yes. obviously. Yes. Uh, so you're you're bringing everybody together that you can get to talk about these issues. And on that website, you'll see all these speakers. Uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Andrew Brunson's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dalai Lama, as you mentioned. I, I never say him well. Yeah. Pak Ayaya out of the uh-huh. um, uh, Philippines, Malaysia. Really mm-hmm. the largest mm-hmm. population of Muslims. And he yes. tends to be a, a, real, um, a real voice of reason in there. Mm. And, you know, you're kind of surprised he's able to continue his life because there are so many um, people that want want to take him out silence those lives. But, you know, Mm. one of the good things about this, Frank, is it just allows us to focus. And there are great civil society organizations around the Religious Freedom Institute, 21st Century Wilberforce, um, Christians for Middle East Peace. Um, There are um, I, I could just go on and on with lists and lists of it. Um, mm-hmm. The aid to the Christian church. Um, many, many civil society organizations. And one of the things that we spawned while we were there, there's always been a religious freedom secretariat, if you will, a roundtable. But Sam Brownback made sure that that met every single Tuesday that he was in town. And now... There are religious freedom roundtables around the world. And that's one of the things we're going to be challenging people this time is to start more religious freedom roundtables in countries much like we have and, Frank, to start them domestically, too, so that people can go back in their states or counties or communities, bring together, not not like we used to in the, um, you know, the all faith Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly led by main mainline Protestant organizations, and they would meet and not do much. But really, what can we do to really encourage religious freedom around the world? 
Well, check it out, ladies and gentlemen, irfsummit.com. That stands for International Religious Freedom Summit.com. July 13th to the 15th in our nation's capital. Sam, uh, I'm Pam Pryor has really organized this along with Sam Brownback and others. This is the place to go to talk and learn more about religious mm-hmm. freedom. We got more with Pam Pryor right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek back in two. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Pam Pryor is with me today. She served in the State Department way up the food chain, doing good things for religious freedom around the world. And Pam, we haven't really got to this yet. We're almost done with the program, and I haven't really asked you, what are some of the successes and challenges you had while you were at the State Department? Oh, you are so kind. You you mentioned Brunson. That was a big success, but other things. Huge. It was huge. Um, We, oh, Frank, one thing, and this isn't just religious freedom, but remember mm-hmm. when I said out of religious freedom flows so many other rights, which is why, yes. by the way, our framers, the framers of the Constitution, put it in the First Amendment. It's it's mm-hmm. not just an afterthought. It is right up there. It's important. We had something called the Geneva Consensus Declaration. It's 34, 36 countries that came together and said, we are pro-life. We are unequivocally mm pro-life. And that happened on our watch. And I had to go out and get some countries. It was kind of weird. They sent me to get the easy countries like Saudi Arabia. And so off I was uh, talking to them and talking to the princess who is the ambassador to the U.S. But they signed the document saying that they were pro-life because we knew, look, friends, it's like you said, Frank, um, there, when, when, Republicans come in, it's just different than Democrats. We are pro-life. Day one, we institute Mexico City language. We really promote religious freedom. There are things mm-hmm. we just do different. That's why there's two parties. And so, of course, mm. when they came in, they tore down the Geneva Consensus. But we did have some great successes. So remember, I was in charge of international organizations. We had the uh, presidency of the Security Council, which rotates. The Security Council was under me and through the UN. And President Trump and Secretary General Gutierrez and Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence all did a panel on religious freedom the first time ever at the United Nations. First time Mm. ever. So there were so many firsts. First time ever that a sitting president welcomed survivors of religious freedom into the Oval Office. And oh, Frank, what a time that was. We had over 40 different survivors, all faiths of of religious persecution that met with President Trump. Um, Pastor Paula White and Ambassador Brownback were there. It was supposed to be 10 minute grip and grin, get a picture, everybody leave. But you and I both know Donald Trump, that wasn't gonna happen. He wanted to hear every story. There was a Christian lady, and I believe it was in Eritrea, who was actually held in a container box, like a, uh, you know, like something you'd put on the back of a semi, held in a container box right. for like 13 months, never got out of that box. And he was like, what? What kind of animals are these? He then, Frank, asked every single person. Now, Sam and Paula are going, we got to go after 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, we got to go. He finally turned to them and said, stop, I want to hear these people's stories. There was a Holocaust mm. survivor there. Um, there were survivors of all kinds of just, it's unthinkable 
It's unthinkable what man will do to man, um, that root of evil. But that was the first that we did that. Uh, we, we had two religious freedom ministerials, very first time that had ever been done. The second one, Frank, we think was the largest gathering around a human rights event ever in our government. So we had a lot of firsts and onlys and, um, you know, hopefully they'll last, but again, there's a new sheriff in town. So it's, it's a little bit different, um, now that, and, and even, oh, the other thing we did while we were there, um, we made the religious freedom office its own office, its own bureau Mm -hmm. at the state department. It had always answered through democracy, human rights, and labor. So it had, it wasn't even its own office. We made it its own office. So it's, it's now a full-fledged office on the par with any other office at the State Department. I know you really can't speak for the current State Department, um, Pam, but I'll ask you your opinion on it anyway. It seems like our State Department relentlessly pushes the LGBTQ issues around the world. I mean, they just flew the, the rainbow flag at the Vatican. Yeah. Um, and my question is, does anybody at the State Department recognize or care to recognize that there is a collision course between so-called LGBTQ rights and religious rights or rights of conscience? Does, does anybody recognize that? Or do they think these two things can coexist? They, they think they can coexist. And again, in an administration that encourages us, it flourishes. So under mm-hmm. us, Pompeo said, look, you want to decorate the inside of your embassy all you want with rainbow flags and anything else, mm-hmm. knock yourself out. But the edifice of the building is the United States of America and no flag should be on that flagpole, but the United States of America, because that's mm. for which we all answer gay or not. And so right. of course they came in and, and overturned that. The other thing is we have to think about the consequences of our decision. We don't kill people in this country for being gay. Mm-hmm. We are compassionate. Course, right. yeah. and, and, you know, Frank, much like I said early on, I'm always hasten to add, we love our brothers and sisters that are in that lifestyle. We just think there has to be an acknowledgement of, of the rights that each person has to acknowledge if we are going to live together. Mm-hmm. In a Democrat administration, those rights are held above other rights. And yeah. we go to countries where it is still punishable by law to, if you are gay, to be killed. Now, when we yeah. are promoting that, it just exacerbates that. So even if, if you are pro-LGBT, you would think you would not turn a deaf ear to the culture of these different countries. Again, I just think in our administration, we were more sensitive to that kind of thing. And also... There is a place to talk about LGBT rights, but it's not within mm-hmm. the area of, of religious rights. We're seeing, sadly, Frank, that even come to our own countries here in, in, in Virginia. Um, the, the Calvary Chapel is, had one of their own people who was put on leave for saying a fifth grade PE teacher for saying he could not call a little boy a girl or a little girl a boy. Right, right. And they right. want to get rid of him because he's a distraction. Yes, well, uh, quite obviously, when, when, I'm, when I'm talking about LGBTQ rights, the rights that I'm talking about that are being asserted are the rights that say, if I'm same-sex attracted and I want to have a wedding and you're a Christian photographer, I'm going to force you to do the wedding. That's what I'm talking about. That, that's on a collision course, course with religious rights. Obviously, we don't want people killed no. 
or saying that, you know, or for, for identifying LGBTQ. We should be against that around the world. We get that. But, but frankly, smear idea, us with that. This is what the left course. does. They smear us yes, with that. Yes, but you yes, are absolutely yes, yes. right. We are talking, we don't think that um, under Democrat administrations, there is a SOGI mm-hmm. office in the Religious Freedom Office. We don't think that's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. We think that no, belongs over no. in just regular democracy, human rights, and labor. Religious freedom is very different. Thank you, God, that we have a Supreme Court. And by the way, Frank, I don't know if you've had Ken Starr on or not, but you should have Ken come on. He has a new book on religious freedom. And he has said the Supreme Court, nine to nothing, even under Obama, has voted for religious freedom. So we've got to Hopefully they'll continue to do that. And uh, and, I think what people don't understand, Pam, and, and maybe they don't want to understand, is what religious people are saying is that our Constitution is a shield. It's not a sword. In other words, uh, Christians and Muslims and Jews and people who say, look, I can't uh, affirm same-sex behavior or I can't use my talents to affirm it, that right that I have is a shield to protect me and other like-minded, conscience-related people from being abused by a sword that comes from the other side. We're not trying to hurt anybody with our rights. We're trying to shield us from being hurt by people who are asserting rights that they really don't have. And the rights they really don't have is to to force other people, religious people or conservatives, who have conscience objections to do things that the other side wants to do. You see, the other side has a sword that they want to skewer religious people on, where religious people are saying, no, we just want a shield. We just, we just, we're just saying, let us be. We're not gonna interfere with your same-sex wedding, but we don't want you to conscript us into your same-sex wedding, for example. We're trying to shield ourselves, and I think that's a legitimate shield that religious people should have. Just like I would support a, a, a same-sex attracted person, I would support a shield for that person uh, for not having to say make T-shirts from the Westboro Baptist Church, yeah. which say yeah. something like you know uh, down with LGBTQ or something. Right. I think that that same sex right. attracted person would ha- should have a shield so they're not conscripted, mm-hmm. conscripted, cons- easy for me to say, conscripted against their will to do something that they don't want to do. Oh, does, and, that, and does that make sense? Absolutely. And Frank, there, there's yeah. no greater case in this than Jack Phillips, the baker in Colorado yes. in Lakewood. I mean mm-hmm. that poor man. One of the most loving men you would ever meet. By the way, oh, yeah. less than a hundred yards from his shop is another bakery. So we're not saying that it was we'll... the only place you could buy a cake. You know, oh, right, right, and right, it's. Right. But we see this being played out. And and the unfortunate thing is, at the State Department, sometimes they don't understand that there is a cultural sensitivity too. That it, mm. When we are, quote unquote, globalists and elitist citizens of the world, you don't take into account the great vibrancy that comes from the different, the different cultures that we have and celebrating those. I, I don't know why. It, Frank, I will tell you, uh, we talked about why does the State Department seem to veer left? It's because conservatives mm-hmm. aren't there. The same reason why mm-hmm. Hollywood went to hell is because Christians left it. True. I plead for Christian young people to join the foreign service, to mm. be able to interject that world. There, the State Department often doesn't represent whole of America. They represent the East Coast and the West Coast. 
And there's a great deal. Many countries, in fact, while we were there, we encouraged recruiters to go to Christian colleges and Jewish colleges and, and to go to the heartland and try to recruit people for the Foreign Service, not just Georgetown and Harvard. Well, Pam, we're about out of time, but I just want to thank you for the work that you've done in the State Department for Religious Freedom. And I know you're going to probably do more work in the future. And you've got this summit coming up. It's the irfsummit.com. You need to go there to sign up if you're anywhere near D.C. Pam, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you. That's Pam Pryor, ladies and gentlemen, a warrior for Christ within the State Department. At least she was. Now she's outside still doing great work. So check out internationalreligiousfreedomsummit.com, irf.com, and I'll see you here next week. God bless you.